California, the Golden State has become the first in the country to ban red dye number three. I have a distinct memory when I was a child in like the early 80s of them, there being no red M&Ms. Because it was red dye number two. Which did what? I don't remember exactly what it did. Obviously, it was made of pure poison. I just assumed it made your tongue red and they were like, no, we can't have this. Red dye number two, I think was cyanide. Red dye number three, I think is arsenic. <laughs> wow. Look, I'm no chemicalologist, but that sounds no, sure. bad. I mean, I'm sure it's a lovely shade of red. <laughs> It's very pretty. <laughs> this goddamn cancel culture canceling red dye now? Red dye number one, apparently, we put lead in to make it more shiny. Oh, I don't know why the kids keep licking the poles. I have no idea. Yeah, in 1970s, red dye number two was banned. Yeah. After tests showed a link between its carcinogenic properties and intestinal tumors. Also, by the way, several yellow dyes have also been banned. Okay. So apparently yellow, the, nobody talks about the yellow dye that gets banned, just the red dye. Leaving only seven dyes on the FDA's approved list, the most popular of which are yellow number five, blue number one, and red Number 40. Oh, red number 40. Uh, that's what this article says. Why if red number 40 is safe? Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not, but if that's true, why, why is anyone still using red number three? I don't, I cheaper. I mean, is red number 40 super expensive? Is it just banned in cosmetics? All consumer goods. Oh, we need to do an entire show on candies, drinks, and more. On just dyes. Okay. I mean, look. Quiet, please. If we can make suicide missions work, I'm pretty sure we can make colored dyes work. Work's a strong word. <laughs> <laughs> Four, three, it's colorful. Two. The Apple Company presents a truly terrible podcast. Welcome to Nonsense, episode number 41. I'm Jeff Parker. I'm Stu Little. This is our take on the week's business tech and entertainment headlines. After glowing reviews on last week's headline-only episode, and with the MLB playoffs breaking my heart, we're going to try another extended headlines-only episode. Is that so you could have more time to weep? Uh, yeah. Today is World Sight Day. Vision helps people navigate their way around and do their work. It creates intimacy when eye contact is made with another person. It helps keep us safe, connects us with our surroundings, and even helps maintain sharp minds. Sadly, many people around the world lose their sight, often for preventable reasons, simply because they don't have access to appropriate eye health care. The day is meant to bring vision care providers together in the common cause of encouraging people and equipping people to love their eyes. So what was on uh, what was on Nonsense this week? They described vision. <laughs> How about that? You know, vision is the thing that allows you to navigate the world so you don't bump into beautiful. things. Thing. Next week, we'll talk about legs. <laughs> but this is, it, it's kind of mildly ironic that it's World Sight yeah. Day because I just happened to see this clip of, uh, uh, did I, I think I forwarded it to you, of Dr. Dre uh, talking with Kevin Hart. And he's talking about, Dr. Dre's talking about how uh, Stevie Wonder called him to like clear some music. And he called sure. him like five in the morning. And Dre was annoyed that, that Stevie called him like five in the morning to talk to him. And then Dre was like, he's like, well, what, what's the difference to Stevie Wonder? 5 a.m., 5 p.m.? No different to Stevie. And the best part is like Kevin Hart basically stopped breathing. He was laughing so hard. And Dre's just telling the story about Stevie Wonder calling him. And like, it's a fair point. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, time, time doesn't really matter. It's National Pulled Pork Day. National Pulled Pork Day. Shouldn't it be every day? What's the difference between pulled pork and pushed pork? Pushed pork is something that you do in the privacy of your home. That's the main difference. Okay. That's how I would I would put pulled pork you can do outside and not get on the state list. There's a list for that. For the pushed pork, yes. There's definitely a list. Have you ever made pulled pork? You're a big you're a big meat guy. Have you ever made pulled pork? Pulled pork's not my favorite thing. Yeah. It's very of all the barbecue, it's kind of the easiest one to make, which is okay. That's fine. It's just a lot of 
of, in my opinion, mediocre pork. I did, however, just make cider brine reverse seared pork chops. Wow. Those were about a 11 out of 10. I spinal tapped those. I actually made them twice. I made them uh, first for my father-in-law for his birthday because he loves all things pork. <laughs> and then I had some friends in town. Yeah. I did say after the third meal I made for him in two days, I did look at him and say, you know, you kind of hit the in-law lottery. You know that, right? Oh, 100%. And he just, he just 100%. smiled. And he just rolled off into the distance because he'd eaten so much of your food. <laughs> Also related to cooking this week, yeah, my wife was out of town. I said, me and my boys, and I decided to make them three different kinds of steak at the same time to see which one they would like better. Sure. And they got a they got a bone. These are all direct from farmer to you, like this really interesting service. I've been trying. not wasted at all on five year old. Well. I, you know, your kids have developed. There's an argument to be made that you could develop their tastes. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of there. Like PB and J isn't cutting it for them. Wow. So I gave them, uh, quickly, I gave them a bone in New York that was great. Sure. I did a reverse sear uh, filet, which was fucking great. And then I made a piece of of A5 Wagyu sirloin. For your children who are five and three. okay. Full disclosure, I kind of made the last one for me. Okay. But I was like, I'll let them try some. Sure. So then I had them try it in that same order. And after the three, I was like, which one do you guys like best? They're like, the last one. Definitely the last one. By far, of course. They're not morons. But like kids normally don't like the fat of steaks. My children say the fat's the best part. But in this case, the fat's the flavor. Yeah. And they just ask for the fat. And it's marbled in perfectly. They ate most of, they ate, well, first of all, we had like two and a half pounds of beef and it was all gone. It was just the three of us. So that's how my week's been going so far. I fear asking you how your week's going based on recent events. Yeah, you probably know the answer. Yeah. I'm a Dodgers fan. And as a friend of mine very wisely says, it's the hope that kills well, you. Just let go of the hope. Let's get to our headlines. We should. Samsung joins Google and RCS shaming Apple. Samsung has released a new video in support of Apple's hashtag get the message campaign, which calls for Apple to adopt RCS, a rich communication services, cross-platform protocol pitched as a successor to SMS that adopts many of the features found in modern messaging apps, like Apple's own iMessage. For interesting reasons, yes. I actually kind of like the fact that Apple is keeping a closed ecosystem on this. And let me tell you why. Oh, me too. Me too. Because to me, it provides more of an opening for something better like Signal, which you have yeah. done a great job of converting me to a zealot of. And it's like, you know what would be even better just to have one system? There are so many messaging apps. There are so many good messaging oh apps God, in so the many. world. Yeah. The fact that you're still using iMessage or still using SMS in any way, but it's just like, wow, let it go. But you know what iMessage does really well is there is no friction. It is a Teflon experience to get into iMessage. Sure, sure, sure. Right. You can just slip right in. You can be a 75 year old Luddite and you just pop right into iMessage. I need friction. Let me tell you why I need friction. Because all the people that I know who want, oh boy. yeah, the, all the people I know who are starting text groups for this yeah. topic and that topic, yeah. uh -huh. nothing thrills me more than saying, oh, you don't want, you don't want me on that. I'm on Android. I'll I'm screw up your thing. I'm on an older, I'm on Jelly Bean. I can't help you. Friction, sorry. Friction makes me very happy in this yeah, case. Totally. That's because you just want to stay happily in your cave. I am thrilled not to have to be on all of those group text, of text message things. I'm so, the, whole I, neighbor, yeah. the whole neighborhood here does a group text message thing. This is I, why you don't know anybody. I am so happy to say, oh yeah, I, I, I I, I would love to, I'm but sorry. I'm on Android. I'm on ice cream sandwich. I can't I'll be you. I'll be like a green bubble and you guys will be totally. really annoyed. Yeah, let's yeah. just I'm gonna skip the trouble right I now. I do love that green and blue bubbles is a thing. Not because of this ad, yeah. just because like in general, and they're I don't I'm not really a fan of shaming the the, the anybody in this equation except for I feel pride in my green bubble. If <laughs> See, I have a green funny. bubble, screw you. I love having state of the art hardware. I, I do enjoy in groups, especially of, of new friends, like people that I've just met. 
And to, sure. to, when you're f- putting together like a text group, to just be like, oh, you're the you're the green guy. You're the green bubble. Yeah, exactly. Guy? Like, exactly. Really? Mm-hmm. Nothing makes me happier than saying, yes, take me out of the group. Me Trust me on this. You do not want my slimy green bubbles in your beautiful sea of blue bubbles. I would like to see more signal and less WhatsApp. If I could get rid of anything. Very true. Very wouldn't true. be a message I get rid of, of WhatsApp. But but here we are. And always. basically, I don't even look at SMS messages. So your text group can go on fine. I'm, I look I look at them maybe once or twice a day. At the I get most. very or, few SMS. It, to me, it's like email. Yeah. I just don't don't care. Yeah. If you know yeah. me, you know to reach me on Signal. Sure, that's true. Adobe previews AI upscaling to make old fuzzy videos and GIFs look fresh. Adobe has developed an experimental AI-powered upscaling tool that greatly improves the quality of low-resolution GIFs and video footage. This isn't a fully-fledged app or feature yet, and it's not available for beta testing, but if demonstrations seen by The Verge are anything to go by, then it has some serious potential. It's Project ResUp. I uh, just want to highlight here that we just crossed an inflection point, because had you said GIF, I would have folded up this tent and gotten the fuck out of town. When you say GIF, it makes me hungry for peanut oh, butter. For peanut butter, right? Choosy technologists choose GIF. What do you think about this? I like, I watch on YouTube all the time these videos of like driving around Los yeah. Angeles in 1930 or whatever. And they're sure. up res. Somehow magically, they look like they were shot yesterday. Yeah. They're also colorized and they've also some put in some sound. You know, all yeah. that's been bogus stuff. But the up of the actual 16 millimeter footage or whatever it is looks great. It sure. looks like it was shot, to, you know, yesterday. Oh, except contrast. all the cars are really old. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's really lines nice. That an extension of this is when you can do like background painting like you can take an image from one of these things and then just be like I want to extend the background and it'll just draw more shit that matches the scene did you see Peter Jackson's the the Beatles get back documentary I haven't seen it yet but I really want to because I've heard it's amazing that video footage it's all old crappy 16 yeah, yeah. millimeter footage that they've up so it look again looks beautiful look amazing. This, yeah. this was done this was done a year ago I don't know what's taking Adobe so long but it, the footage looks incredible it looks like it was shot last night that's amazing and then we, we debate whether or not adding stuff to photography is real photography and you're like well is that really Ringo playing the drums or is that like a- we had that argument on the show last week yeah and the verge had a great article like two days later about is it really photography yeah and they went through basically the same thing well they're big listeners to the show he warns musk of penalties if x doesn't stop israeli hamas disinformation elon musk's x platform formerly twitter faces penalties under a new european law if it doesn't take action to stop the spread of israel hamas disinformation an eu official warned musk yesterday yeah, well, first of all a uh, good luck getting Elon to respond to the threat of penalty. Second, I he think responded because it was on Twitter. I, they tweeted him, and he responds to anything on Twitter. On, uh, on I think you mean X. He's not on Twitter whatever anymore. whatever you call that thing. The Digital Service Act, which I think is what this is protected under in the EU, yeah. has set very precise obligations regarding content moderation, which I did not know. Yeah. What I did know is that it does provide for fines up to 6% of a provider's annual revenue. They are not fooling around with these fines. They really mean business. Do not put misinformation up on your service. I kind of think Elon's like, yeah, yeah, find me 6% of my revenue. I'll write you a check for $12 <laughs> right now. He's like, what does he fucking care? Like, he drove revenue he to the toilet. He has gamed the system. Yeah. He has gamed the system with a, yeah. with a business that does not actually make money. He's like, instead of revenue, do you want to talk about net income? Because then you're writing me a check. Huh, fuckers? I got a lot of debt to service. What if that's his plan all along? Is just to get all these laws to like uh, the minimum fine to just pay him. That's his big plan. According to the Financial Times, researchers have raced to debunk false or misleading information on X about Israel-Hamas conflicts, including posts yeah. that have racked up millions of views and shares. Oh, the crazy thing about this is he's the one, Elon Musk himself, has promoted two accounts that are known to put out bogus information. Sure. And that's why I think the EU is finally stepping in and saying this is a problem. He took him Not down, surprised. but it took him like three hours to take him down. Yeah, you can also argue the damage has already been done. Yeah. What really drives me crazy about this is... 
any idiot, thanks to technology, can take a camera on their phone and record some shit and TikTokify it and post it. And it takes them 15 minutes to, to create some, some chunk of disinformation. Then some eggheads have to go spend hours trying to debunk it. And I'm like, right, fuck, like, this is not a good ratio. Like, you're just and sucking the people up who, all the good brain power. And the people who want to believe it are just going to believe, believe it, it anyway. anyway. Doesn't really matter. Some of this, some of this footage on the disinformation sites was actually from video games. It wasn't even like real, real footage. Oh, yeah, I did hear about this. I haven't seen it, but they were taking like basically video game renders that looked real enough. Yeah. To folks, yeah, and they used footage from from uh, a previous uh, wars and yeah. you know things that had nothing to do with this this war. Interesting that the EU is stepping in. Finally, I'm glad somebody's stepping in. Somebody cares about disinformation. I mean, I know this is not the right way to think of this, but like you just need people to take responsibility for themselves, and I think you need a set of parameters so that if they don't, then they just end up I don't know on an island somewhere. Ex CEO abandons Wall Street Journal tech conference following disastrous appearance in code. This is a related uh, story, Linda. Yaccarino was going to go yep. to the Wall Street Journal tech conference and then she appeared first at the code conference and had such a disastrous appearance there that apparently she's pulled out of Wall Street Journal's tech conference. Well, at the code conference... She had no idea at code they were going to ask her questions. Yeah, exactly. She was set up to fail because she had no idea there would be confer- there'd be questions at the conference. She thought she was just going to sit on stage and they're all no going to praise soft her. softballs thrown her way. It wasn't even a softball. It was like those balls that are in the ball pits that the kids climb <laughs> around in. It was like those. You can't even throw it. Kershaw himself couldn't throw that ball faster than eight miles an hour it's made out of air it's a plastic ball of air and then and now she's like i'm i'm busy i can't i, can't well, I think this is the answer she can just avoid all conferences she can avoid anywhere where she has to answer any questions i know this is not uh what happened at code but i do think any of these conferences that yaccarino vacates they should just immediately backfill her speaking slot with uh yoel roth from uh from x twitter yoel roth had more interesting things to say totally and was like even keel i'm just wondering for how much longer i'm going to get to say yaccarino as long as you want. It's fun. It's really it just rolls right off the tongue. Yuckering a ding ding. When's the last time you were on Twitter? I honestly try to go on it less and less. I only really go on it for this show, finding things for this show that we're talking about. But I just find this, the signal to noise ratio is upside down. Yeah. So I just don't find myself going there often. And there's perfectly good options. But it is not going away. I mean, think about what the end cases for this look like. Like he could buy out the debt for cents on the dollar and own the whole sure, thing. Sure, still sure. not going away. But you still got to have users. You still got to have eyeballs or you have nothing. Dude, this is going to be like AOL. My dentist still has a fucking AOL email address. Okay. Oh he literally word. gave it to me the other day and I just looked at him. I'm like, you're, you're kidding me, right? Because he's a smart ass. He's like, no, I don't tell anybody that. And I was like, but it's fucking 2023. You have an AOL email address? I've had it for a long time. Yes, I know. Toothdoc2003 at fucking AOL.com. Like, what are you doing? And then he's like using all this advanced technology to image my teeth and make retainers. And I'm like, uh, this from the AOL guy. And then it's always weird because when he's done, he's like, you've got teeth. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Took me a minute. Thanks. I'm glad you it's been so been so long since I'm I've glad. heard you AOL's you've got mail thing. I totally didn't get that I'm, for a second. I'm glad your synapses still fire. That was I will say this. She does not seem to be uh, owning the CEO title like I sort of hoped anybody given that opportunity that she would. would. Well, she, yeah. you knew she wouldn't have that chance because Elon Musk is just going to do whatever he's going to do. Yeah. She's basically a janitor. I mean, she's, you know, the, the hope was that she would bring in advertising revenue. I don't think that's really happened. I think that's like the impossible dream. I, you know why? Point. You know why I think that hasn't happened? Because she's demonstrated zero fucking leadership. I don't think she can. She's got an owner who absolutely has her handcuffed. So you say no. And then maybe he shit cans you. Maybe he doesn't. Like if you actually well, bring the yes. revenue... And you tell them to fuck off. You're either there to do the job you were brought in or you're not. Not this weird gray area in the middle. So uh, maybe she's drinking the Kool-Aid. She thinks this is the right path forward. Uh, It's beyond me.
Good luck getting a CEO gig after this. That's my take. The nice thing for her about bailing out of the Wall Street Journal conference is yeah. that she does not have to explain Elon promoting bogus content. These, these, these you know, false information. Well, she doesn't, have, she doesn't have to there. Doesn't mean she doesn't have to explain it. She doesn't have to explain it there. She just doesn't have to go anywhere where she has to talk. That's what that's what I think her, her new role is going to be. Hiding from people. Sure. It's also just hard for her to schedule the time for this because she's very busy and you never know. I saw she, that she know, was very busy. At very code, busy. she had to go like two yeah. questions in. She just had to split. Well, to be fair, she forgot to buy the early bird on Southwest. <laughs> so she had to check in. She was C26 way in the back she, of the plane. You got to yeah, get in. Sucks. You got to yeah, yeah. get in before the door is closed. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm sorry. I can't. I have to go. I have to get my, my seat. So far, AI is a money pit that isn't paying off. Silicon Valley has bet big on generative AI, but it's not totally clear that bet will pay off. A new report from the Wall Street Journal claims that despite endless hype around large language models and the automated platforms they power, tech companies are struggling to turn a profit when it comes to AI. Have you ever heard of a startup that didn't make money on its first day? I mean, you could literally uh, search replace... <laughs> AI article? with any other technology of course, ever in the of history of technology and the same paragraph would apply. I'll give you a really old one. Airplanes still have not broken even on the amount of money invested in them. I mean, there's no excuse for that. For airplanes? But it still is the case. Tons of technology when it comes out. It takes a while before. Somebody's it, making money. AIG's out. making money off airplanes, right? Like someone, GE's making money off airplanes. There's plenty yes, of money to be made. Yes. You're yes, saying air carriers? Airlines. Like, yes. Like, carriers oh, yeah, yeah, not, yeah. Are in total are, have not made money compared to what's been invested into them. It's been a That's kind of fascinating. Is that like in over, you're seeing the period of time of ever that's since Orville and Wilbur took to the air. Yeah. The GitHub's co-pilot, sure. which launched in 2021, was designed to automate some parts of a coder's workflow. And it's immensely popular with its user base. And it's been a huge money loser. Problem is users pay $10 a month subscription fee for co-pilot. On average, they've lost $20 per user during the first few months of this year. Some users cost the company an average loss of over 80 dollars per month yeah look, i don't know how they know this i have a whole lot of problems with how they're calculating this number first of all isn't all your cost is the sunk cost it's really not the electricity to run the computers let's just say just for the sake of this argument that it that they're losing 10 bucks a month per user on copilot it costs them 120 bucks a year the acquisition cost of having a developer which is a highly paid person sure, sure. that spends a lot of money on things tools and stuff spending 100 bucks a year to keep them running your platform is a fucking deal that is a great yeah, yeah, deal sure so you're trying to say this one thing co-pilot like oh because the servers aren't fully optimized we spend 20 shut up it doesn't make any sense to me but it's not like, electricity cost well i'm assuming the opex is all power right and i also don't know if i mean who knows those chips might be all opex they might lease them i, I don't know i mean they, they have a lifespan of like two years of course they're chips it's how it works yeah, exactly. i mean if they didn't exactly. if they were shocked that you know if they if they designed their business plan and went oh the chips are devaluing and we didn't think Weird. about this we thought they'd appreciate should we <laughs> take the ones out of the boxes we have them like our sort of our beanie babies they're all wrapped maybe, in the original maybe boxes. they shouldn't have gone into the computing business if that's the way they they did their math. It's not hard to see this whole thing is a bit of a stumble for the tech industry. Not only is AI a solution in search of a problem, but it's also swiftly becoming something of a problem in search of a solution. I, I don't understand. I don't this buy any article. of this. This was. Yeah. <laughs> California's right to repair bill is now California's right to repair law. Ah. You know, I'm excited about this you because are. you can you can now take your phone to a mom and pop shop. Yeah. And for a fraction of the cost, you can have them repair it and they can do it with actually authentic parts. Sure. Not parts from sure. You know, that were bought from somebody who did a smash and grab on an Apple store. More interesting to me on this are the stipulations that 
like depending on the price of the product determines how long they have to, the manufacturers to keep parts available for, which is kind of cool. So like the cheaper stuff. Oh yeah. 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 The cheaper stuff is Three like years, then four it's years. Like, it's like a year. Years. Yeah. But then if it's like a phone, they've got to keep it for seven years. I think it's well, like, that was the Google thing. Google announced yeah. they were keeping parts in stock for their new pixel yeah. phone for seven years. But that's for all devices that are over like a hundred bucks. They need seven years of documentation and parts for it, yeah. which is kind of interesting. I also do wonder, like you think about this with cars too, cars obviously a lot longer than seven years. You got to maintain a warehouse and manufacturing capabilities for shit that's seven years old. Like that can be expensive. And almost no one is going to still have a seven-year-old phone. Now, maybe they, maybe the, maybe this is the time they do. Phones have matured a lot. As a software guy, I've always been super impressed with how Cisco manages this. Cisco manages many, many, many trains of software for devices because they want them to last, you know, whatever, yeah. 10, 15, yeah. 20 years. Maybe we just put some software in their phone that eats up their battery and makes it get really hot and slows down their machine. So they'll just buy a new one. That's another Apple invention. All right, coming up, more headlines. MGM didn't pay ransom. Hackers are selling 23andMe's data. And the U.S. fears China's use of open source RISC-V chip design. I think what you really meant was antiquated lawmakers fear open source in its entirety. <laughs> MGM didn't pay up after hackers broke into its system and stole customer data. The Wall Street Journal wrote on Thursday that MGM Resorts International did not pay the ransomware attackers who broke into its system last month, forcing the company to shut down systems at several of its hotels and casinos. I think it was all of its hotels and casinos, wasn't it? I think it was all of them pretty much, yeah. The hack kept many waiting to check into their rooms. They had to resort to pen and paper. Oh, the horror, the horror. I mean, look, I'm always reminded of the John Ehrenberg quote. Uh, that he delivered to us when I made fun of his pen. He was like, it still works. Pretty impressive. MGM did not pay the ransom. Totally. And this is almost certainly not good for them. This is not the best thing for MGM. For MGM. No, of not course, short it would have been expedited things just to pay the thing and move on. But I'm so I'm so pleased that they chose not to do this. Because yeah, they did the right thing. Yeah. It looks like in pretty much every direction, except initially storing their data in plain text on a Zune player. <laughs> Other than that, I think they I did everything pretty much right. <laughs> First of all, we don't know for sure that they stored it in plain text. While we do know for sure they stored it on Zunes. We know that we their archive that, strategy was just running on a bunch of Zunes. They got them cheap from Microsoft. Well, sure. So that makes perfect sense. They're buried in a landfill. If you find them, you might as well put them to work. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, why not? There's literally kilobytes of memory going to waste there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, those are, that's 640K. You can't just throw exactly. that away. Why would you ever need more... That's enough for that. anybody. Among those kept waiting was FTC Chair Lena Kahn, who was in Las Vegas, Nevada, to attend meetings about a merger between Kroger and Albertsons. I mean, of all the people to have be adversely affected by your hack. Oh, my word. I no, got to feel not. like the chair of the FTC. <laughs> it's the thing you pray Pretty high on the happen. list, right? I mean, I think you'd rather have like the president. Thankfully, she's busy suing Amazon. She's <laughs> yeah. got her hands full. Totally. Did they somehow pass the buck to Amazon? They'd be like, oh, they all came in through the Amazon front door. Yeah. No, this is terrible. They... Uh, so I think uh, MGM said to the, the actual quote that they said to um, to the SEC and their filing was that this was only for customers that transacted with the company prior to March of 2019. Right. So they so they hacked like a backup. It was a backup. Data somewhere. backup. Yeah. yeah, right. yeah. And yeah. I also like that they said that, uh, quote, virtually all of the company's guest facing systems have been restored. So they're clearly not all online yet, uh, with the rest coming in the, the, the sort of coming days. Right. MGM said in a press release that hackers made off with customer data, including names, contact information, date of birth, and driver's license numbers, as well as a limited number of customers, social security numbers, passport numbers, or both. I don't know how they know that. So nothing important. 
Uh, presumably, yeah, how do they? How presum- do they know? Presumably, they've got an access log. They've got like an audit log. They can see the files are accessed, and then they know what's in it. But still, this is some really bad data to have leaked out. Yeah. that you don't want to have leaked out. They've said that it has again quote cost them less than ten million dollars in technology consulting in services, technology legal fees, and expenses. Right. Yeah, um, I always love when they say less than ten million dollars because you know it's less than ten million dollars. A lot of numbers. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's not. Maybe they spent no money on it. Maybe they spent a hundred. This wasn't free. No, I get that. Sure. But like they could have said, you know, like it cost us like, you know, mid seven figures. Yeah. Fine. That tells me that you spent real money on it. On the bright side, MGM said in its release that it does not believe the data thieves stole customers, passwords, bank account numbers or card details. It's the small victories. By the way, if you if you by chance have uh, been to an MGM property, you might want to change all your password, bank account numbers, and card details. I'd recommend changing them sooner than later, for sure. They uh, expected to lose about $100 million on this. But they did the right thing, and they didn't give in to the, the, the ransomers. But uh, No, I'm glad that they didn't. And, it, and But it cost them a ton of money. They still Man, did, the right did it thing. cost them a ton of yeah. money. But, but I'm really impressed they did the right thing. I, it makes me want to stay there more because they did the right thing, which is weird in Vegas. As opposed to a nearby casino down the street from them who did not do the right thing, who just paid the ransom. Yeah, I, I believe my co-host is alluding to Caesars, who just uh, paid the ransom and ran. Yeah, I wasn't going to say their name because, oh, you know. I assume my co-host is referring to the other casino who were named Nameless, <laughs> but is based on a... Um, uh, a Greek figure. I don't want to be found Greek. in the trunk of a Chevy bound, <laughs> gagged and shot. Thank you, huh. man. That's by the way, you're way more specific. I don't want to be found in the trunk of a Chevy at sure. all. <laughs> I mean, I would hope it's at least like an Audi or something nice. No, I don't want to. That's the problem is the brand. Of I don't want to be in a GM. Oh, my last moment to be like my, my last moment of life to be like, wow, this interior is really shit or it's nice. Or it's you don't know the, the Chevy interior in the trunk might be lovely. <laughs> that could be. That's called the Italian boss package. Sure. I, I like the boss. <laughs> it just comes with like a it's like a post-it note, uh, like one of those post-it note pads, but of carpets in the trunk. Yes. It's just, it's just it just comes pre priests. Uh, pull off all the blood goes away everything exactly. you just have a brand just new roll brand new layer yeah. a brand new layer of carpet totally. yep. hackers are selling data of millions lifted from 23andme's genetic database 23andme posted a blog yesterday saying that data from its users genetic testing and analysis platform have been circulating on the dark web forms after hackers use recycle logins to gain access to get into accounts and this is the uh we came through the front door and got all your data approach 100 percent. this is this th- they didn't break into the servers they actually broke into individual accounts yeah. and got what if you opt into this thing called dna relatives which allows you to see who you're related to they just scraped that data. Yeah. This could have happened at any time. By the yep. way, I don't think it necessarily is shut down now. I was going to say, I think it can still happen. I think you just need an account. Right. If you logged in and got an, if you if you signed up for an account, you probably have the ability to scrape this data now. Yeah. My hunch is they took, uh, they probably just took username password lists from other um, non-23andMe user dumps and yeah, they just sure. tried them to see what worked and then and just found one that worked and they were oh, good they to probably go. found a lot more than one. I mean, most people, oh, of course, of course, the vast majority of people share passwords across sites, which is terrible. Please stop doing that. The hacker leaked what they said was one million lines of data for Ashkenazi Jewish people before saying they would sell stolen 23 million data for one dollar to ten dollars per account. I want to know what makes you a, a higher value account or makes you a lower, a value lower value account. account. What? Yeah. The number is my data worth one dollar and yours was worth ten. Your um. Yours can't be worth much. I mean, basically, your entire interacting graph would be with DoorDash driver. <laughs> that would be, and like, the the, and, but yes, I know. What you and mean. like that one really nice usher at the Dodgers games. That would be your entire interaction <laughs> graph. Would be it. And me. That's it. The data stolen includes usernames, profile photos, genetic ancestry results, date of birth, and geographical locations. So basically, everything that <laughs> twenty three and say, had. Not and and also all of your DNA. <laughs> 
Like what? What All else is there? All of the there? sequencing of your DNA. Oh, that's that's ridiculous. Uh, he said there was no indication of a security incident within our systems, which basically means they just scrape the DNA relatives, yeah. which is very interesting. There's a lot of data out there like this that you can get. You would hope they'd at least do some some rate limiting or maybe look at patterns across users to try to detect this, but it's tough. Sure, sure. Yeah, as yeah. many as seven million accounts may be in the sale. Yeah, that was uh, PC Magazine. I think that had said that. I don't know how they got that number. Yeah, a million users was posted. They've got. 14 million users total. Here's the thing with yeah. DNA data, yeah. right? If I don't do 23andMe and Ancestry.com and my sister and my dad do, yeah. they basically have me. Oh, yeah, totally. They don't need me to do it. If you have my sister's DNA, my dad's DNA, oh, or my I sister's see. DNA, yes, yes, and a cousin's yes, yes. DNA, yeah, yeah. or something like that, you now have me. That doesn't work for me. Fortunately, I was adopted. Oh, well, good for you. That's what my brother told me for the first 12 years of my life. <laughs> sure. This touches on something else that I wanted to do a segment on, which is that uh, I'm really fascinated by the these sort of DNA databases, but there's also something that has kept me out of them. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'm mainly because it's you know what it, the the analog is the password managers, right? It's the same thing to me. Yeah. I just I don't like the honeypot. You end up by all of, course, of us of doing course. this, you end up making a honeypot, and I really just don't correct, want that correct. data out there. There's just one giant database that has yeah. everybody's information, and that's a, and it's a big win if you decode it. If anybody's going to spread my DNA around, it should be me. <laughs> oh, the college years. <laughs> The college, the college years. What? I'm moving on. Are you? Are we moving on? I'm, I'm still basking in the college years. That was a really good line. <laughs> uh, let's get to some technology that nobody knows anything about, shall we? Risk Five technology emerges as background in U.S.-China tech war. In a new front of the U.S.-China tech war, President Joe Biden's administration is facing pressure from some lawmakers to restrict American companies from working on a freely available chip technology widely used in China, a move that could upend how the global tech industry collaborates across borders. Basically what this is, is it's, it's we have had open source software for a very long yep. time. Yep. Linux is an open source yep. software. It is the world's largest collaborative project. When you put Linux on your computer, everyone is shocked how fast their hardware runs, how fast their computer runs. Because it's been gone over so carefully, sure. line by line by line, and perfected that it is a beautiful, beautiful user experience. Totally. Now, we are open sourcing the making of hardware, of actual chips. Yep. It started in Berkeley. I think it was a risk, the RISC-V chip, if memory serves, to yep. teach students how chip, hardware chips were, were, were made. Dang. And it has become an open source project, and it has, with time it has gotten more and more sophisticated. It's basically a competitor for the ARM chip, which is what's used in almost every cell phone. Even the Apple yeah. uh, M1, M2 chips, those are all yeah. those are all from ARM, which is yeah. a company in in, Brit in Britain that's called ARM Holdings. Yeah. And they're making essentially the same sort of thing, reduced instruction set chips, RISC chips, as opposed to CISC chips, which are complex instruction set chips. Can we just talk for a minute about how awesome that name is? ARM Holdings. ARM Holdings, oh, it's brilliant. <laughs> Sure. Like, how come the British get all the better names than us? Oh, it's We're just great. like it's just Intel. Great. And they're like, nope, Arm Holdings. And I remember when everybody had Intel on their machines, including the Maxwell Intel, and I and the, I was playing around with ARM chips, going, "Wow, Intel should buy this. They're going to be in huge trouble when totally. this thing comes along." When was that? When was that? You're thinking about that? Oh my, early two thousands. And now I'm looking at the Risk Five chip and thinking, "Oh yeah, no, it's over for everybody." Yeah. Risk chips are not being used in cell phones now. It may be a long time before they're used in any consumer type devices, but little controllers. Yeah, yeah. You can use Risk Five chips on the on the high end. Big, big, big systems with you know 100 plus cores are are, are being are using Risk Five architecture. Yeah. This is a big deal, and we're saying now that we would like China to not have access to to these uh, designs, these chip designs. I have some very bad news for those people who yeah. think 
that that's <laughs> going to be a problem. It's currently available. Yeah, that, 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 that genie's out of the bottle. But I love our lawmakers writing a letter. Dear China, please delete all the risk instructions that we've sent you. <laughs> Right. That was an accident. I really think we should do more like what we did during, uh, especially like World War II with the Germans and the Japanese. And we should we should not uh, not send them risk. We should instead send them like the send best CISC instructions that we sure. have. Just to slow them down for a yeah. decade or so. No, no, just make a lot of heat. That. That's all. Just heat, just heat everything up. Oh, you can tell if they're and using bad, it bad too. battery life. Totally. You can tell if they're using it because you'll see the average temperature in China go up like half a degree. The Alibaba Yishin 710, a five nanometer chip with 128 cores, delivers up to 320 tops, which is general computing performance. That's really, really fast. That, okay. Think yeah. about the NVIDIA A100 GPU, which delivers 312 tops. Okay, a top. Let me just make sure we're all on the same page here. A top is a unit of measurement of operations per second. The T stands for trillion, which is insane. These are not slow chips. That means it's doing 320 trillion instructions per second. It's not like China doesn't have their own computer scientists. Yeah. They're going to figure all this yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. out. Totally. If your entire defense strategy is to keep certain chips out of the hands of the Chinese, yeah, yeah. I have some awful news for you. <laughs> You have this no defense strategy. This is not going to work out for that's, you. Yeah, that's the answer is mute is your is your strategy. It's not going to work very well. But remember, we did this like in the 90s. We did this in the 90s with, with cryptography, where we said, no, that's a munition. You can't export it. And you're like, uh, but actually, you could export it in, in the form of a book. The math equation. Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to write the math equation down and then be like, oopsies. Like what? I don't understand. Yeah. But this does beg some interesting questions and not we have enough time for this now. But I'm curious what like what technology, software, hardware, whatever, do you think we should just not? open like what things should we keep close to the vest i don't know enriching uranium probably that information's out there yeah enriching uranium i would i would take um and by the way you're only going to slow people down mildly sure figuring it out if you want to figure it out just the fact that you know that it can be done exactly you're 50 percent of the way there because you don't ever give up yeah, trying yeah. yeah i also think i think that works the other way though too sometimes if you know that it can be done but you haven't figured out you're like well i just can't figure this out whereas if you don't know it can't be done you might keep trying oh no and then your dear leader shoots you and finds the next guy and <laughs> says now now you figure it out. First of all, Elon's not running any countries yet. Okay. <laughs> so just settle the fuck down, Jeff. Let me go right. back to the story and just say 10 start, which is led by Jim Keller, who did okay. Apple's M1 and lots yep. of other chips for AMD and Intel and so on is doing a hundred plus core high performance risk five. Yeah, this is crazy. This is, this is really like the guy who does lots of cool chips. Yeah. Who's doing some amazing work with the, uh, I mean, you, these multi cores really seem like they are the answer to to scaling that is insane to have 100 core plus chips like that just blows my mind it's remarkable what you do when you give people the profit motive and that is to say i don't have to pay all this profit to arm to license their technology i mean when you move from cisc down to arm the chip cost went probably from 300 bucks a unit down to 30 bucks a unit sure and it's probably about to drop to three bucks a unit with risk five because you're not paying any licensing fees is that true yeah oh wow so wait, what, what's the revenue driver then? I thought they're still putting royalties on these. No, there's no royalties. Open source, literally. Oh, that's right. Risk five. Jesus Christ. We're all pitching in, making this chip the very best we can possibly make it, including Chinese, yeah, yeah, yeah. including the Chinese uh, computer scientists. Everybody sure. around the world is pitching in to make this thing as good as we can possibly make it. And have they, they being ARM, what are they going to do with the pr 
proprietary stuff. Do they at some point open it like after eight years or is it or at that point? It's so old. It doesn't matter. Honestly, I think it might be too late. It's for probably Arm. too late as, as far as risk five is down the path, which is not that far. They're a long ways away from being yeah, on. Yeah. But once you start this ball rolling, the inertia is incredible. Yeah. Who knows as much as 90 percent of the world's computers could be running on Linux. Yeah. You don't see it because sure. you're running I a do. Mac or whoever's running I a do. PC. They don't see Well, because you go in and you see all the back end servers and all of that. Uh -huh. Virtually the internet runs on Linux. There's no internet. Sure. Linux. You're going to definitely grit your teeth at this. Even Mac OS itself, right? It's got a direct lineage back to Linux. No. It's not running a Windows 16 no. message loop. No, no, no. Actually, the Mac has lineage back to the mock kernel, Carnegie Mellon, which was what the next machines ran. It precedes Linux. I thought it was BSD. Next, from Next OS. B it, it is BSD. So, so no Linux per se. No. Linus Torvalds, the creator of Linux, had a meeting with Steve Jobs, and the only thing Steve Jobs kept saying was, we have to get you to work on Mac OS. And Linus Torvalds was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. You, you don't just, get what's coming. Yeah, yeah. You're I don't not think seeing you, what's coming. Yeah, I don't think you see what's coming down on this. You know what? Here's what we need to do. I need uh, to take all the Linux variants. I need to feed them into 23andMe. And I need a bunch of hackers to just go <laughs> expose that data so I know this fucking lineage and how it works. Because I it's can never It's not keep the it right. Linux variants you care about. It's the Unix variants. I care about... Well, no, no. I do care about all of them. Like from Bell all the way sure. down. Like I really do. But every time I try to dig into this, I end up in some loop somewhere and I find it's some other interesting tidbit. No, I know, but I find some other interesting tidbit. The next thing you know, I'm I'm down the rabbit hole. AT&T used to license Unix. They they there was literally this was a skunkworks project at yep. AT&T. Yep, they had created an operating system called Multix. So as a skunkworks project cuz they wanted it to go faster, they created Unix yep. that ran one process yep. really well. Yep. Then they later made it multitasking, multiprocessing, okay. multi-threading, all the rest of the stuff. But it has been so revised and and so optimized that Unix became a really amazing sure. operating system. And Steve Jobs could clearly see that. He needed to find a free version of it that he could base his next computers on. Yeah. And he found one at Carnegie Mellon in Mach. Mach. This is not easy. None of that is Linux. None of that is Linux. And actually, what a massive mistake they made by not. But of course, you wouldn't have necessarily the foresight to do to know this. Yeah. The Linux system runs so much better, so much more, so much faster, so much more secure because it is open source, and so many more people have worked on it. And put sure. Their hands on it and perfected and perfected and perfected it. No, I get that. But they didn't know. I mean, at the sure. time, he had to pick a he had to pick some OS and 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 Unix. Any Unix probably was better than what he had with the Mac OS. After this long little diatribe that we just went yes, on. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, your point was uh, that all machines, ninety plus percent of the machines out there, are running Linux. A high percent, some flavor of Linux. I would take the I would take the under. I would definitely any take the under. Supercomputer these days is running Linux. Um, you know, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of supercomputers. Uh, My Android phone, my Android watch are both running. Ah, uh, still taking the under. Your router, your smart TV, your smart home appliances. Because you just look at like Windows machines and Apple uh, handheld devices. Just that alone. Maybe. It's got to be a huge chunk, bigger than 10%. My point actually was that RISC-V is starting to achieve a almost Linux-like momentum. I may have it. I may have it. Yeah, what do you got? As of April 23, Android, an operating system using Linux kernel, is the world's most used operating system when judged by web use. It is 40% of the global market. Okay, so it's but got... But that's, that's user-facing. If, if you look understood. at data centers, it's understood. all Linux. Desktop and laptop computers is Windows at 69%. Linux has completely dominated the supercomputer field since 17. Of course, we know that. We give them all of that. Still taking the under. I need more data. I mean, I know Android's killing it on device count yeah. for mobile. 70% of all smartphones around the world are Android. And then 90% of data centers are running Linux. I don't want shipped. I want running. But running is going to be super hard. Yeah. If any of our listeners have this information, please email it to Jeffrey. 
All right, I'm going to dig down this rabbit hole. I st- I'm still t- I'm sticking by the under of 90%. Price is right, 90%. Without going over? <laughs> I'm taking one. If we're playing by Price is Right rules. The point is, risk five, gaining momentum. That's Coda breaks trend of additional charges for generative AI tools with the release of Coda 4 on Wednesday. Coda has joined the parade of productivity software vendors embedding generative AI features in their products. Part of the Coda app's new release, the Coda AI has three components, a knowledge assistant, a writing assistant, and a task assistant. This headline is a little misleading. Yeah. Uh, bucking the trend of additional charges. Everybody's given their AI away for free right now, except for AI-only companies. Yeah. Right? For the most part, everybody else has given it away. Yeah. Because one, it doesn't work well. Two, nobody knows how this is going to play out. Right? So like Google's like baiting their AI. Microsoft's giving you Copilot. Well, I guess they're charging for Copilot on GitHub. Well, if it's an add-on, you're just going to have to lump it into the cost of your software yeah i mean you're not gonna be able to pay add-on prices because there'll be so many people who have ais i think you're gonna get it for free i mean well no jeff you know the answer to that if you're getting it for free you're paying for it somewhere else oh for sure you're the product absolutely you're the product no question well not you you're a linux user you're not the product nobody wants you you're complicated coda launched its all-in-one productivity app which combines elements of documents spreadsheets work management and customer relations management in 2019, it's now used by 40,000 customers, including firms such as Uber, DoorDash, and the New York Times. Yeah, so they put a couple assistants in here, right, that do different things, which is nice. And they're not charging extra for it. And they're not charging extra that's for it. That's the interesting part of the story is they aren't charging any add-on fee. Yeah, I feel like that's most everybody. We'll see if that lasts. But the idea of an AI that knows you is something I've been talking about for months here, right? That's super interesting. Like the personalized AI. That knows your personal data? Yeah, I mean, that's not what they're saying here, but they're they're inching towards it, right? Their knowledge assistant can scrape stuff from your docs sure, and sure. from your data. If you have seen the uh, Google Pixel 8, this thing is the beginning of a complete change in how cell phones work and what cell phones do. Yeah. The AI is so baked in and it's looking at all it your personal data and your personal calendar yeah. and all that information. Literally, I can ask it, summarize the three most important emails in my inbox for me. And it will do that. And I have thousands of emails that I, you know, that I've gotten today. Yeah. And it will go through all of them and it will say, you know, there's a party at Judy's at 7 p.m. on Tuesday. Would you like me to RSVP? It will say, it will say your three DoorDash orders have been delivered at 8.57 a.m., 12.32 p.m. and 6.17 p.m. That's it. That's what it would say every week. That's the kind of amazing things. If you've, if you've played, if you've looked at, if you've looked at any of the demos of this phone, It works crazy. in a completely different yeah. way than most phones. Yeah, yeah, Forget yeah. the cute little photography stuff it does, which is amazing. It's I don't know. I would not call but, that cute little photography. I think that is that is amazing. Oh, no, it's completely mind-blowing. But forget that. Look at the productivity stuff. Look at the sure. personal assistant stuff that it does. And I used to have to know to talk to Google Assistant. I have to. I had to formulate the sentence in a certain yeah, way. Yeah, no, you don't. You yeah, know, blah, 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 yeah. keyword, and then switch on the office lights to such and such, whatever. Sure. I don't have to formulate any of those complex yeah. sentences that I have to say a certain way. I don't have to do any of that anymore. Yeah. And it knows what I'm it's talking amazing. about. And by the way, it talks back I know. in just, English. You just say, I can't see. And it says, turning on lights. Jeff, your glasses are located over on the dresser. I'm, I'm really starting to feel like I am no longer uh, the greater part of the ratio of the equation of getting stuff done. It's everything else. And I think most people don't even, you know, even say, having seen the demo, I don't think most people realize what a, what a revolutionary change this is yeah. to how we use cell phones. Well, I think that's part of the magic of this is that it gets slipped in there and you just go i don't need this thing and then you use it and you go i don't know how i work without this thing. i can't live without yeah. this thing i'm just happy somebody's reading my email because it ain't me you'll see these stories like on jalopnik about somebody who like drove their toyota a million miles and it rolled over the little counter because the counter only goes to nine hundred oh, sure, 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 sure. yeah 
I'm trying to do that with email notifications on my iPhone. I'm trying to figure out where it rolls over because it's well into the hundreds of thousands. And people are like, how do you live like that? I'm like, very happily, actually. Yeah. I never look at it. Like, I, I don't, don't care. I, I cannot possibly get through all of my email is the worst way to reach me because there's just way too. And but by the way, Google's doing a cool thing. If, you, if you're on Gmail, yeah. they're going to change. When somebody wants to send more than 5,000 emails at a time, they've got to conform to a bunch of standards. Sure. They have to uh, have an easy way for you to opt yep. out. Yeah. They, you know, all sorts of little things like that. There, So things are going to change in terms of spam email if you're on something like Gmail. You know, something that's, that was an ecosystem that was untouched for the longest time by spam, but now is no longer uh, virgin, is iMessage. For the longest oh, yeah. time, there was zero spam on iMessage, and now it's all over the place. Where just name me one place I can't get spam right now. You can't now. get spam on Signal. Doesn't work. I definitely get spam on WhatsApp. That is like the spam. Like you might as sure. well be in in fucking Austin, Minnesota, because you're in the spam capital of the goddamn world when you're on WhatsApp. Right. iMessage for sure. SMS for sure. Signal. I don't know. Oh, SMS is almost unusable. Like email. It's it's heading that way. Fast. I feel like SMS is going to be like HTTP. We're going to just turn it off at some point soon. Yeah. You're just going to be like, you know what? The world's a better place without this. We're going to just turn it off. I'm not against that. Well, the problem if you do that, then Apple users can't talk to to Android users because Apple's like RCS now. Fuck that. Buy an iPhone. RCS is pretty great. I don't care. I know. Grab Signal. It's all good. Come on over. Whether that, you're on the iPhone or you're on the uh, or you're on the Android, and it's all good. I would say I'm not one to typically convert easily in technology. You've definitely converted me. Like I no longer want Apple to support RCS. It Continue, works beautifully. Just push people to Signal. I think that's and great. I have it on my desktop yeah. too. And it's the same. It's just it's wonderful. Anyway, uh, Coda, great. We should use it. All right, enough with the headlines. We do want to add that while what's happening in Israel is neither a tech business nor entertainment story per se, our hearts go out to those who have lost loved ones, of course, and also the same with the Afghanistan earthquake. All right, we have to get out of here, but quickly. Before we do, have you seen or read anything good this last week? Well, if good means like me constantly having to reach over on the side of the couch to get a, a set of paddles to restart my heart, <laughs> is that good? What happened? Because that was my experience this past weekend. You had a heart attack? Well, uh, no, I had 12 heart attacks in a row. The reason I had 12 heart attacks in a row was because our alma mater, yes. the University of Southern California, of course, the best place on earth, yes. uh, was playing some school from the desert that uh, I don't even know if they play football anymore. Sure. We apparently spotted them 17 points at the start of the game and then just tried to find every possible way to give the game back to them. Oh, that game was on. And couldn't. It was hard so this to is watch. USC versus the uh, the Wildcats. By the way, I had just come home. I had just come home yeah. from the Dodgers game yeah. where Arizona had stomped on the Dodgers. Yeah. I was very happy that SC prevailed. That well, yeah. Great. I mean, you saw they barely prevailed. Like the, uh, the, the AP poll put SC below Texas who lost. <laughs> on saturday sure, sure so they're basically like, i don't think they're wrong by the they're way they're not wrong they're not wrong. by the way since the first we played the other arizona we seem to have gotten worse and, and everybody said well this game would be like a scrimmage we barely won that game yeah and we seem to have gotten worse and worse every week yeah it was like a scrimmage in that nobody took it seriously on the sc side i think yeah, that exactly. was the only part that was like a scrimmage i was constantly texting and being texted by folks and i was just like i don't need this stress on a saturday night like i'm i don't understand why we're doing this how many ourselves. overtimes how many what was the final total uh, they overtimes? went to three overtimes Caleb Williams still looked amazing. Yeah, so yeah it was, for sure. For it sure. was fun. Uh, I think I took a year off my life. How about you? I finally watched season two of Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty, which is based on the book Showtime, Magic, Kareem, Riley, and the Los Angeles Lakers Dynasty of the 1980s by Jeff Perlman. The first season was the 1979-1980 NBA season, Jerry Buss's first as owner in Magic Johnson's rookie year. The second season, which I just finished watching, is between 1980 and 1984, The Rise of Riles. See it on HBO. Which season did you like better, the first or the second? 
second. Uh, I loved every second of both of them. Really? I'm heartbroken this show has been canceled. I would love for this to keep going. There are lots more seasons of fun to find out about. Hopefully some other streamer will pick up the story. Why'd they cancel? I thought it was being watched like crazy. I don't know exactly what happened, but it got canceled huh. like right as they were releasing the final episode of season two. All right, I'll check it out. That's the episode. Thank you for joining us for all of this nonsense. A truly terrible podcast from The Awful Company. This is on the web at nonsense.productions. I'm CJ Little. I'm Jeff Parker. If you like this program, please follow, download, subscribe, and like at Apple and Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, our favorite Overcast, or wherever you may get your podcast from. Podcastindex.org. Special thanks to our floor director, John Abdelnoor. Thanks, John. We'll be here every Thursday morning for more nonsense. Please join us. I hate sports. Oh, man. Now I know everybody in Detroit feels. Go Lakers.